The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. Today's a special day in church because of, uh, we're celebrating the Christmas season, the birth of Jesus, the gift of God to us for, uh, for our, our eternity. We're also going to celebrate the sacrifice by, made by Jesus. And we'll get to that part of the service in just a little bit. This, this service is a memorial, a memory, a reminder of all that was given for us. We uh, are trying hard. We have Lily, who you've, I'm sure you didn't miss in the front of the room up here. Uh, Lily, we want to teach her some of the things as time, time goes on uh, about how our family has celebrated and and honored and recognized uh, Jesus throughout the holidays. So there are all kinds of things in our home that we uh, that we point to. She's talked Karen will talk to her about it. And yesterday, as we were uh, well, the day and the day before, as we were traveling through Texas, doing our Texas tour, visiting all the family, we could get done in 24 and 36 hours. Uh, we we made that trip, and on the way, we talked about memories that we had, anchors of memories that we were we remember back. When we were young, how we celebrated some of the traditions that were in our family. I may have talked about that in messages for the last few weeks. But yesterday, we, uh, we spent a little bit of time, probably uh, a good hour, talking about sp- specific food dishes that were served at the holidays in our family, in our, in our region. And there's one particular cake that I haven't seen it repeated uh, many other places. I can see it occasionally on something like the British Baking Show. You'll see this cake. Or uh, maybe uh, you see it on a, in a magazine article. But it was a jelly cake that had multiple layers. Now, you, you raise your hand if you remember this cake. A cake that would be about this tall, probably about five layers of yellow cake. And in between each layer was a, it wasn't icing, it was a jelly, and it was Rex jelly. Anybody remember Rex jelly? You're probably not going to remember Rex jelly. It was kind of a Texas thing, kind of a German culture thing from what I can remember. And uh, it was also banned from the market back in the 70s because it had red dye number 40 in it. So red dye 40 was found out to be a dangerous uh, food coloring. But that cake was... um, uh, it was very pretty, and it was it was stacked up tall, and uh, over the top of it was sprinkled powdered sugar. So it would look like Christmas. And uh, every everyone that I talked to in the family over a certain age, 40 was about the cutoff because that's when uh, they quit uh, making the jelly, and there was not a replacement. Now, to give you an idea of what that jelly tasted like, it was as if somebody took a big red and boiled it down and made it into a jelly. Okay, you know what big red is, by the way? How about strawberry Fanta? Okay, I give you give you an idea. That's the flavor of the jelly, and it was a good memory for people. It's a good memory for me. Uh, it tasted good. It wasn't my favorite cake, but it was fun to see it every year. And I asked my dad. He's uh, he's uh, in his I believe early 80s now, and uh, asked him his memories of childhood, some things, uh, foods, and and he helped me remember the whole Rex jelly thing and described it to me and told me why it was. Um, not around anymore, but I said, what do you remember way back about Christmas? And he went to immediately as if he went to a different place, a different time. 
in his head and in his eyes. He talked about a couple of things that were traditions in his family. He had five sisters. They lived way out, way out in the country. And because he lived so far out in the country, they didn't get to town often and only bought groceries once a month, that kind of thing. Uh, it, it, so he began to explain this memory. As he was telling that memory, it contrasted it to me uh, so different from what we experience today in, at Christmas. And it was mostly about gifts. And we talk about this almost every year, how things have expanded to where every gift every year is like a, it's a t- you have to top whatever last year was. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and the ticket items get larger and larger and larger, and little bitty children are getting computers that cost $1,000. Okay, there's things that happen that are just so different than it was back then. Uh, in that tradition, this is what he remembered the most. The first word that came out of his mouth was oranges. He got oranges for Christmas. Now, uh, oranges was a big deal back in the 40s, and uh, I, I'm not sure that we could even fully understand the whole idea. Uh, that part of Texas, there weren't any oranges. They were way down south on the border. I don't think we had a lot of satsumas or oranges up here at the time. There might have been a few. So it was special to get an orange. That, that came from the 4th century when St. Nicholas uh, was known to give oranges out to people because they represented to children. It represented health. And then the bright color uh, represented the, the aliveness or the liveliness of life in Christ. So that orange was given out, and they also gave out chocolate. So he mentioned bags of oranges, not just a few, but how his dad would bring home uh, from town bags of oranges and boxes of Snickers bars. Now, Snickers were uh, created a few years before that, about 20 years before that. But, and it become prolific in the culture, but that was a favorite candy bar. So if anybody in here, do you have a favorite candy bar? Is it a Snickers? Anybody have a Snickers is your favorite? Okay, we got a Snickers. How about uh, anybody else got a favorite candy bar? Raise your hand, tell me what it is. How back there? What's that? Hershey's with peanuts. Okay, what back there? Milky Way, we're on the same wavelength. I like the dark chocolate Milky Way. It's the grossest one, probably, but I like it. Um, okay, anybody else? Okay, mine as a child was Baby Ruth. I love the Baby Ruth. You got another one? A cookies and cream Hershey bar. That's a specialty bar there. That's only in a certain section of the, of the display. Okay, and the second one was the Mars bar. I love the Mars bar. But Snickers bar is the most, is the largest selling candy bar in the country, and it's, uh, they're made mostly in Waco, Texas. In the 80s, uh, a factory was built, 65,000 square feet, and they produced 65% of the Snickers bars that are sold in America come from that one plant in Waco, Texas. Back in 2020, they wanted to, uh, to have a record set, and they, they tried to make the biggest candy bar on record to date, made a 4,200-pound Snickers bar. Now, that's, that's a big one, isn't it? It's the equivalent of 41,000 regular-sized Snickers. It's a big old bar. They were topping the candy market, trying to make it the biggest one, and they were the king of the hill. The Mars Company, Mars Wrigley Company out of Waco, was the the king of the country on the biggest uh, bar. And three weeks later, Reese's topped them with a Take 5 bar. Now... I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, 
But have you had to take five bar? That's not something to be bragging about. It's it's got it's a chocolate covering like everything. Inside of that's a little bit of uh, caramel on top of that, and then right in the middle is peanut butter. And inside that peanut butter, there's nuts. And right next to that, there's old cotton balls and, and Q-tips. It, it's that it's it's to me that's what it tastes like. They made one three weeks bigger. Just got, uh, later, it just got bigger, and it was about 5,500 pounds. Another great big candy bar. It's easy for us to get in a lifestyle where we're we're the, the type of people Americans like to just keep pressing ahead and getting bigger and better and bigger and better. It's easy for us to adapt that to this whole Christmas season and let it take over uh, our understanding of what this is all about. The greatest gift of all is a simple gift. Young folks, you're going to find out that you like giving people gifts more than getting gifts the older you get. You like shopping for your kids. You like shopping for your grandkids. You like uh, finding the perfect gift. You like shopping for your parents even. And you, you want to give them this gift you think is, is very special to them. And it means more for you to give than it does for you to receive. And that's not just a cliche. That's the way we are, the way we're made. In Scripture, you find out that our Father loved us so much that He went to the ultimate extreme. John three sixteen, He gave His only Son. I want to read that passage of Scripture to us from John three sixteen through 20. John three sixteen through 20 comes from the NIV. For God so loved the world that He gave us His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in Him stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. He loved us so much that he went to the extremes of giving us his son for a sacrifice so that we might have eternal life. We might know him. That's what this service is about. This, Easter, I mean, this Christmas season is blended with Easter for me. It is, we celebrate both the birth of Jesus and the gift of the sacrifice of Jesus for our eternity. The Holy Communion, known as the Lord's Supper, represents the greatest expression of God's love for his people. We have two items here. We have in the Holy Communion, the bread represents Jesus' body that was scourged and broken before, before the crucifixion and during the crucifixion, and the cup, which represents the blood that was shed. I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 31. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 27. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. This unworthy manner, by the way, that he's talking about is living in a state of sin, living in a state of rebellion. If you're doing that, uh, the, the Lord's Supper is not a, an, a remembrance event for you. If you're in active rebellion, choosing not to follow the Lord and, and um, turning your face from Him. Verse 28, everyone ought to examine themselves. This is the, the step you take if you're in rebellion. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why many among among you are so weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were discerning with regards to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Paul is saying, when he writes this word, that the Lord's Supper is a time for contemplation. A reflection time. To examine your life. To look deeply into what is going on in your heart. Now, uh, in the course of moving in from one house to another, which we've done a few times, uh, this last time I, uh, I had one particular closet that was so deep, it was under a stairway, which we, and it had extra bonus space that went kind of down way back in the back, and that closet received anything that we could put in it. I knew there was going to be a day that we had to get in there and clean it out. It was going to, going to be trouble. It was going to take a day or two to straighten it all up and organize it. But I knew that we had to put this stuff somewhere because life goes on. People are in your house and you can't have uh, 40 picture frames and all of your hunting gear and everything you could think of just laying around the house. It's got to be put somewhere. So I put it in the, in the closet and as I put one more thing, I think, oh, it's full now. But we'd always have to find space for one more thing. Eventually, I had to back up, kind of put my back on the door and push it shut and click it just so and, and hope that somebody didn't walk down the hall and twist that knob and the closet exploded into the hallway. It was full. People who in rebellion do that with our own personal spiritual life when they are choosing to rebel against God, they're sinning, they're, they have habits that are sinful, they just kind of stuff them away in there and don't deal with them. Let them come out every now and then. One day, somebody comes along and opens up the closet door and it just explodes on the world. This contemplation is a time to clean the closet. To look down deep. To think about what's going on in your life that you just need to lay before the feet. Now here's the good news. It, the grace is free. There's nothing you need to do in order to make that, uh, those sins go away other than give them to Jesus. And accept that forgiveness. It's a time of contemplation. John, John 1, 8 and 9 says, We claim to be without sin. We deceive ourselves. And the truth's not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's time for contemplation. What's down in there? It's also a time for confession. 
admit it needs to get cleaned out. There was something I really needed bad that was stuffed in the bottom of that closet, and it was in the bottom. I had to say, you know, today's the day. I've got to open this door and get in there and find that and clean this place up and organize it. Admit something needs to be done and confess your sins to the Lord. It's also a time for correction. This time of the memorial of the Lord's Supper is a time for correction. Philippians 3.12 says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I am going to make, have an action here. I'm going to do something. Then it's time for consecration, setting apart. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I got so deep in that closet when I, when I cleaned it out that I didn't like the carpet that was in it anymore. I pulled the carpet out too. Got down to the bare floor and started over. Started off with something brand new and clean. When we come before the Lord today and we ex- receive this Lord's Supper, we want to come before Him brand new, confessed and clean. So let's stop for a moment and bow our heads and we want to pray. Think of the things. Ask ask the Lord to remind you of things that are on your heart that you need to lay before Him and ask for forgiveness. Confess those. It's between you and Him. I don't need to know. Your neighbor doesn't need to know. Get that right with Him. And receive that forgiveness. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness and grace that you give us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 6.13 Do not present your members to sin as as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God for those who, as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to good as instruments for righteousness. He's saying, present yourself whole, complete, forgiven. 1 Corinthians 6.20, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And then Joshua 3.5 reminds us, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow you'll be doing, God will be doing wonders among you. We're setting ourselves apart for God. This time of memorial is not only this time for contemplation and confession and correction and consecration, but it's a time of celebration. And we're celebrating all that has been done for us. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, but that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. We know we belong to him. So we come today to commemorate. We're remembering. We're remembering what he did for us. I want to ask the, the deacons that are going to serve the Lord's Supper today if you'll come forward.
This church serves as a, uh, a church that believes that all believers are welcome to take the Lord's Supper. It's not just this closed fellowship, but it's anyone who may be visiting that's a follower of Christ. So we're going to uh, celebrate that together as believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.